Welcome to History Books and Wine, where three author friends talk about books and fun historical tidbits, all while raising a glass of vino. We're your hosts, Lori and Bailey, Eliza Knight, and Madeline Martin. So, pour a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 20 of the History, Books, and Wine podcast. I'm your host this week, Lori Ann Bailey. I'm a National Reader's Choice and Holt Medallion award-winning author who writes Scottish historicals with hot Highland heroes and spunky independent lasses finding their perfect matches in the Scottish Highlands. If you've tuned in for the last two weeks, you've heard Eliza Knight and Madeline Martin discussing two women in history that they find amazing, Boudicca and Grace O'Malley. Next week, you'll get all three of us for our monthly happy hour as we celebrate American Independence Day with three women who were instrumental in shaping the United States of America's history. But I'm excited today that I get to share someone that I'm curious about. That's Joan of Arc. But first, I need to tell you about what I'm drinking today. As I've said in the past, and I will probably continue to say, Josh is one of my favorite wines. And I recently went to the Total Wine and More store near my home. And I think I've talked about that in other episodes where I'm completely overwhelmed by the store. But last time I was there, I talked to one of the guys who was working and I told him that I was familiar with Josh and he got excited and he told me, oh, we have a new Josh in the back. We have this whole display for it. And he showed me the display, but none of them were out. So he went in the back of the store and opened up this brand new box of wine just for me. Well, of course, it's not just for me because other people have probably had it by now, but it is a Josh Cabernet Sauvignon Lodi Reserve. And what's special about this one is it's part of a program they're calling Operation Gratitude. It's got this amazing camouflage label on the front of the bottle. It matches the green bottle perfectly. And here's a little bit about it. Josh Sellers and Operation Gratitude are partnering to say thank you to our military service members. The Lodi region of California has a Mediterranean climate that provides excellent growing conditions for Cabernet Sauvignon. This Josh Sellers Lodi Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon bursts with scents of plum, blueberry, and cocoa, a perfect companion for your summer grilling. We will give $1 for every bottle of our limited edition bottling sold from March to September to Operation Gratitude to fund care packages for deployed service members to show our gratitude. My dad, Josh, served in the military and I think he'd be proud that we're doing our small part to help. So, if you're out there somewhere and you see Josh with the camo label in the front, 
definitely pick up a bottle because until September, they are donating $1 for these care packages. And now to take a sip. And it's really good. But Josh is always good. I'm ready to tell you everything that I have learned about Joan of Arc, who is sometimes known as the Maid of Orleans. Joan of Arc was born in 1412 and grew up in the small town of Domremy, France. Her father was a farmer who also worked as an official for the town. Joan worked on the farm and learned how to sew from her mother. So essentially, she was a peasant girl living in the country. But when Joan was about 12 years old, she began having visions. In one, she saw Michael the Archangel, and he told her that she was to lead the French in a battle against the English. And after she helped to drive the English out, she was to take the king to Reims. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, but that's what I'm going to say, to be crowned. Joan continued to have visions and hear voices over the next several years. She said they were beautiful and wonderful visions from God. When Joan turned 16, she decided it was time to listen to her visions and take action. This was during a period known as the Hundred Years' War, where the English and French battled over England's belief that it had the right to rule France. And it's worth noting here, because of her visions, Joan knew that she would be wounded in the Battle of Orleans. She also predicted that something bad would happen at the city of Campania, and you'll hear about that in a few minutes. So the peasant farm girl Joan set out to meet the king. She thought it was time that she ask King Charles of France, who had not yet been crowned, for an army. First, she traveled to the local town and asked the commander of the garrison, Count Baudricourt, to take her to see the king. And guess what he did? He laughed at her. I mean, come on, a 16-year-old girl that's demanding to see the king and saying she's going to lead his men into battle. Despite this setback, Joan did not give up. She continued to ask for help and gain the support of some local leaders who agreed to provide her with an escort to the royal court in the city of Chignon. The first thing to note about Joan was that when she traveled, she cut her hair and dressed to look like a man. Not sure why she did this, but she found it necessary. So go Joan. Joan made it to the king's audience, but when she arrived, King Charles had dressed as a courtier to try to fool Joan. Joan, however, immediately approached the king and bowed to him. So, they're thinking there's some kind of divine intervention that she recognized him among all the courtiers. Then there is also a story about her speaking to the king in private and delivering a message from the voices she heard in her head. Whatever she told him will remain a secret, but it was enough to convince him that he should give her a chance. And the king figured he had nothing to lose. So... 
King Charles let Joan accompany a convoy of soldiers and supplies to the city of Orleans. It was currently under siege by the English army. And you know what? If your city is already under siege, if somebody says they're a prophet from God and they can help you, why not give them a chance? News of Joan's visions from God reached Orleans before she did. The French people began to hope that God was going to save them from the English. When Joan arrived, the people greeted her with cheering and celebrations. So I'm wondering really how much of this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe just her visions gave people hope. Either way, Joan had to wait for the rest of the French army to arrive behind her. But once they did, she launched an attack against the English. Eventually, Joan and the French army repelled the English troops and caused them to retreat from Orleans. She had won a great victory and saved the French from the English. After winning the Battle of Orleans, Joan had only achieved part of what the visions had told her to do. She also needed to lead Charles to the city of Reims to be crowned king. Joan and her army cleared the way to Reims, gaining followers as she went. Here, the second part of her vision was realized as Charles was crowned king of France. Joan suffered a major defeat at Paris where she was unable to save the city from siege there. But next, Joan traveled to the city of Campania. And remember, I told you about this earlier. She had a vision about this city. It happened to be under attack by the Burgundians. She only had a small force with her. And once they were attacked outside the city, the drawbridge was raised and she was trapped. Joan was captured and later sold to the English. The English held Joan as a prisoner and gave her a trial to prove that she was a religious heretic. They questioned her over the course of several days, trying to find something that she had done that deserved death. They couldn't find anything wrong with her except that she had dressed as a man. They said that was enough to deserve death and announced her guilty. So I just feel like we have come a very long way. Joan was burned alive at the stake. She asked for a cross before she died, and an English soldier gave her a small wooden cross. Witnesses said she forgave her accusers and asked them to pray for her. She was only 19 years old when she died, which is another just crazy, crazy fact to me because she has been canonized and is a saint. And to be able to do that with only 19 years of life is amazing. So a few other quick facts about Joan. King Charles of France, who Joan had helped to reclaim his throne, did nothing to help her once she was captured by the English. In 1920, Joan of Arc was proclaimed a saint by the Catholic Church. In modern times, some doctors and scholars have diagnosed Joan of Arc with disorders ranging from epilepsy to schizophrenia. 
During her trial, she testified that angels and saints first told her merely to attend church and live piously. Later, they began instructing her to deliver France from the invading English and establish Charles VII, the uncrowned heir to the French throne as the country's rightful king, which she did. She claimed that a bright light often accompanied her visions and that she heard the voices more distinctly when bells sounded. Based on these details, some experts believe Joan suffered from one of numerous neurological and psychiatric conditions that trigger hallucinations and delusions, including migraines, bipolar disorder, and brain lesions. Another theory holds that she contracted bovine tuberculosis, which can cause seizures and dementia, and that comes from drinking unpasteurized milk and tending cattle. And of course, those are things she did as a young farm girl. While she was a commander of the French army, Joan of Arc didn't actually participate in active combat. And you would never know that from looking at all the pictures you see. Though she was remembered as a fearless warrior and considered a heroine of the Hundred Years' War, Joan never actually fought in battle or killed an opponent. Instead, she would accompany her men as sort of a inspirational mascot, brandishing her banner in place of a weapon. She was also responsible for outlining military strategies, directing troops, and proposing diplomatic solutions to the English. Of course, all of these were rejected, and despite her distance from the front lines, Joan was wounded at least twice, taking an arrow to the shoulder during her famed Orleans campaign and a crossbow bolt to the thigh during her failed bid to liberate Paris. Joan had a volatile temper, which she was very famous for. Once she was placed in control of the French army, the teenage peasant didn't hesitate to berate prestigious knights for swearing, behaving indecently, skipping mass, or dismissing her battle plans. She even accused her noble patrons of spinelessness in their dealings with the English. It's important to note right here that Scotland helped France during the Hundred Years' War, and according to witnesses at her retrial, Joan once tried to slap a Scottish soldier who had eaten stolen meat. She also supposedly drove away the mistresses and prostitutes who traveled with her army at sword point, hitting one or two in the process. And personal attacks by the English, who called her rude names and joked that she should return home to her cows, reportedly made Joan's blood boil. From 1434 to 1440, after her execution, Joan's brothers passed an imposter off as their sister. They claimed that she had escaped her execution. At one point, the group was called before the king, who knew the imposter was not Joan because she could not repeat the secret she'd told him upon their first meeting. But despite their involvement in the deception, her brothers were never charged. Joan of Arc 
inspired the ever-popular Bob haircut, which originated in Paris in 1909. The voices that commanded the teenage Joan to don men's clothing and expel the English from France also told her to crop her long hair. She wore it in a page boy style, common among knights of the error, until guards shaved her head shortly before her execution. In 1909, the Polish-born hairdresser known as Monsieur Anton, one of Paris's most sought-after stylists, began cutting his fashionable client's tresses in a short bob, citing Joan of Arc as his inspiration. And now it's time to talk about what I'm reading. And I'm very fortunate right now because last week I attended the Historical Novel Society and the ladies who wrote Ribbons of Scarlet were handing out advanced reader copies. So I have an early copy of Ribbons of Scarlet, which comes out in October, but is up for pre-order now. Our very own Eliza Knight is one of the authors. I look forward to starting it this week. And I also think this is perfectly timed since my subject this week was Joan of Arc and because this book is centered around the French Revolution. Here's a little bit about Ribbons of Scarlet. Six best-selling and award-winning authors bring to life a breathtaking epic novel illuminating the hopes, desires, and destinies of princesses and peasants, harlots and wives, fanatics and philosophers, six unforgettable women whose paths cross during one of the most tumultuous and transformative events in history, the French Revolution. Ribbons of Scarlet is a timely story of the power of women to start a revolution and change the world. In late 18th century France, women do not have a place in politics, but as the tide of revolution rises, women from gilded salons to the streets of Paris decide otherwise, upending a world order that has long oppressed them. Blue-blooded Sophie de Grouchy believes in democracy, education, and equal rights for women, and marries the only man in Paris who agrees. Emboldened to fight the injustices of King Louis XVI, Sophie aims to prove that an educated populace can govern itself. But one of her students, fruit seller Louise Adu is hungrier for bread and vengeance than learning. When the Bastille falls and Louise leads a women's march to Versailles, the monarchy is forced to bend, but not without a fight. The king's pious sister, Princess Elizabeth, takes a stand to defend her brother, spirit her family to safety, and restore the old order even at the risk of her head. But when fanatics use the newspapers to twist the revolution's ideas into a new tyranny, even the women who toppled the monarchy are threatened by the guillotine. Putting her faith in the pen, brilliant political wife, Manon Roland, tries to right a way out of France's blood-soaked reign of terror 
while Pike Bearing, Pauline Leon, and Steely Charlotte Corday embrace violence as the only way to save the nation. With justice corrupted by revenge, all the women must make impossible choices to survive. Unless unlikely heroine and courtesan's daughter, Emile de Saint Amaranth, can sway the man who controls France's fate, the fearsome Robespierre. And forgive me if I mispronounced any of that. And that is available, I believe, in October. And I will put the link for it in the show notes. Time for a sip of this amazing Josh wine. And now it's time to recommend one of my own books. And today I decided to go with Highland Deception because my heroine Maggie, when we first meet her in this book, is dressed as a boy. And I thought that's a perfect tribute to Joan of Arc today. So here's a little snippet of what Highland Deception is about. Scotland, 1642. Maggie and Lachlan must fight their growing attraction, battling suspicion and intrigue as religious and political turmoil threaten to tear their clans apart. He has sworn he will never marry. Lachlan Cameron is honor-bound to see a wounded lass to safety. Although he has well learned, women are deceivers, and this lovely maid harbors a wealth of secrets. But Maggie's free spirit and charms enthrall him while he works to discover if she is innocent or a spy scheming with his enemies to destroy his clan. She has sworn she will never fall in love. Maggie Murray fled her home to avoid a political marriage to an abusive man. Salvation comes when the Cameron Laird, unaware of her identity, protects her as she escapes. His kindness slowly warms her, and she's tempted to confess her real name. But his strong sense of honor would force him to return her to her father, and torment at the hands of her scorned betrothed. I will also include a link for this book in the show notes. And now we're to the time where I am going to answer a reader question. This week's question is from Anna. And she wants to know, do you read in the same genre that you are writing in? So for me, when I'm writing Scottish historical romance, no, I do not read other Scottish historical romance when I'm writing because I don't want to be influenced by someone else's book. But when I'm not writing that, I could read some Scottish historical romance all day long. On the other end, I am working on a secret project right now, and it's in a genre that I don't read a lot of. So I am doing a lot of research by reading other books that have similar themes. I'm also going through, as I read these, chapter by chapter and analyzing what the other authors are doing. I find this to be a great exercise, and I'm really enjoying the process. Now, I have a question for you guys. I'm currently listening to several different podcasts, and it's because I'm doing uh, this research on this secret project. But I was just curious, what are your favorite podcasts? I'm really getting into them lately, and I might want to check them out. If 
you have any questions for us or if you have an answer for my question, email us at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. You never know. Maybe we'll discuss it in a future podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please join us next week, July 4th, for our monthly happy hour. We'll be discussing some amazing women in American history in celebration of American Independence Day. Then Madeline will return on July 11th to discuss hats. Me, Lori, on July 18th talking about jewelry through history. And Eliza on July 25th with shoes. Then we will follow that up with another happy hour on August 1st where we'll be discussing all things historical purses and accessories. I think that's going to be a really fun show. Our website is historybooksandwine.buzzsprout.com, where we will have the show notes for today's episode. They can also be found on iTunes. History Books and Wine can be found on Spotify, and if you say, Alexa, play History Books and Wine podcast, she'll play the most recent episode. If you like what you heard today, please consider leaving us a review. And remember, you can always send us questions at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.